y'all. Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. My name is Louis Duda. I got my brother Sam in the house as usual. What's up, Sam? I'm doing pretty well today. All right. That's good, man. I'm good. I'm glad you're doing good. You look good. <laughs> but if you wasn't, you was hiding it pretty well. Yeah. So, I'm as I told you before <laughs> the, the show, I'm just as excited about this episode as any episode that we've done. Why is that? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> because I remember studying Union with Christ when I was like, I don't know, 20, <clears throat> excuse me, 20, 21 years old, mm-hmm. when I was just just had recently accepted Christ and I just wound up being around a, a, a guy who was coming to visit us in prison to, to teach the Bible and around mm-hmm. a couple other older men who had been in Christ for a number of years who were also in prison and studying this. And it mm-hmm. was just like way, way, way over my head back then. But I never forgot it. And, and my main takeaway was, man, this is so intimate. And it made me always be a person to be on the lookout for sin in my life. Mm-hmm. And it always caused me to want to honor God with what I say and what I do. Now, that don't mean that's happened perfectly since then, but that's always been in me. And I've always been so thankful for it. And I've wondered, like, since I've been out of prison almost 14 years, I've never heard anybody talk about this. <laughs> and it's like, why? Not, not in church? No, 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 not in church, not in church, not in Bible wow. study, not anywhere. Yeah. So I'm excited for our guest today, who is? Our guest today is Rankin Wilborn. Mm. And, well, the reason how I got his name was I've I've been interested in Union with Christ, too, for quite a while, and it always just exhilarates me just mm. thinking about it. And I've been wanting to do an episode on it for quite some time now. And I reached out to, um, I probably shouldn't say his name, but I reached out to someone uh, who definitely could talk about union with Christ, uh, a well-known theologian. And this guy said he didn't have time, which is fine, but Mm. he recommended, he said, why don't you try to get a hold of Rankin Wilborn? Because he has a fantastic book about it. Mm. And I remember uh, that book, um, but I had never read it. Okay. Until this week, <laughs> so <laughs> okay. so I so I so I have read it now and uh, published by David C. Cook, right? And um, so we have we have Rankin here today. Welcome, brother. Welcome. Am I pronouncing your name the right way? Yeah, I, yeah. I've I've got one of those last names for a middle name, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys, for having me on your show, and uh, uh, excited to talk to you guys about one of my favorite. Uh, themes. So in this book, Union with Christ, um, it it won like a some kind of uh, book of the year award. Am I am I mistaken about that? Yeah, people people liked it. It was yeah. uh, you know scratched an itch, and I think what Lewis said. I think a lot of people recognized. Wait a minute, why why are we not talking about this? Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. I was thinking maybe one a Pulitzer or something. <laughs> not That's yet. right. Not even right category. <laughs> Nobel. <laughs> Nobel. Yeah. <clears throat> so how did, how did you learn about uh, the doctrine? Well, let's let's start with who you are first, actually. So uh, you're a pastor now in Evansville, uh, Indiana, of City Church, a discipleship pastor. Uh, yeah. But you've also been a, a commercial banker. And yeah. how did, uh, what, what happened? What's the story behind that to bring you from, uh, the, the secular world to being a pastor? Oh man. Uh, well, I, um, 
I became a follower of Jesus my senior year in college. And like many adult or young adult converts, it kind of turned my world upside down. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it really messed with my motivational structure. And, uh, and, but you know, you, you have to do something. And, and I was mm -hmm. a big believer in uh, discipleship in the public square and following mm -hmm. Jesus as business leaders. And so I thought I wanted to be a real estate developer and, um, uh, worked in the corporate sector for five years, loved it. Those are some of the best years of my life. Um, and, but increasingly, Sam, the Lord just made it clear to me that he was calling me specifically into pastoral ministry. You know, we're mm -hmm. all in ministry. Mm, amen. Uh, we all have a ministry. And, and that was a big hurdle I had to get over of, Lord, you know, I, I, I'm doing ministry here in, in, at the bank. And in the, I'm, I probably have a, a wider reach as a, you know, I'm, I'm oh, not, yeah. I'm not over the wall yet. I'm a normal guy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I, I had some mentors then who are still in my life today who, who sort of, you know, walked with me through testing that call of Lord, are you really like, I can't be a pastor. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor type. Mm -hmm. You know, I was a corporate banker, but, um, Anyway, the Lord just made it very clear he was calling me into pastoral ministry. And you know what they say, there are no happy, disobedient followers of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it was just clear, follow me. And uh, so that's that's where the journey started. Yeah. So how did you get from California to Indiana? That's what I'm curious about. Well, I, I actually uh, was in... Uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, um, and I had a connection with a church in New York City called Redeemer Presbyterian Church. You, you probably know Tim Keller is mm -hmm. the pastor of the church. And Redeemer's focus uh, was and is on global cities and planting uh, churches in the heart of global cities, uh, churches in the city for the city. And so they... Um, partnered with them and we really replanted a church in Los Angeles. And, uh, I did not want to go to Los Angeles, Lewis. I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm from the other LA. I grew up in Louisiana. Like, okay. I, am the, I am the least LA guy. And, uh, and, uh, I was talking to, uh, I'm not name dropping here. It's just part of the story. I was talking to Tim Keller about it and he said, well, the fact that you don't fit the cultural idols of Los Angeles uh, may mean the Lord could really use you there. Mm, amen. And uh, so as a single guy, moved to Los Angeles uh, in 2006 and uh, to really restart a group that was gathered but didn't have any uh, leadership, hadn't really gelled yet. And uh, But we had a great core group of people and right place, right time. And the church just exploded overnight. Mm, and, wow. uh, um, yeah, we went from two staff members to over 45 in about seven years. Wow. So it was, uh, it was quite a, uh, that's another book I'll write someday, but, mm, uh, okay. Okay. But, uh, anyway, how I got to Indiana was, 
actually, like a lot of growing churches, our church ran into a lot of uh, internal staff conflicts. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, Lewis, mainly due to my uh, inexperience as a leader, mm. uh, you know, seminary, uh, I didn't I didn't take courses in seminary on how to lead a staff of 50 people in a church of, you know, several thousand. So yeah. um, some of my uh, leadership deficits got exposed. And uh, anyway, it, 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 it was a very painful sort of church mm. division. And um, just best for everyone that I uh, that I no longer was the pastor there. But we moved to Indiana. Um, I have family here who needed some medical help, and a local church here was gracious enough to hire me, and uh, mm. that's where we've been the last three years. Yeah, I really appreciate you know your humility and also your transparency because it's probably not an easy thing to to tell the story or you know when you do tell the story it invokes memories which can lead to pain so thank you for you know being transparent and and the humility that you displayed that saying hey you know i could point the finger at everybody else but i got to point the finger at me first Mm -hmm. and you don't hear that a lot you know from people they always want to deflect or they just want to gloss over things so i appreciate that i really do yep i agree and i'm right there I'm right Go there ahead, with Sam. you as well. Right there with you. So part in, of, in what sense, Sam? Uh, as far as I was a pastor, I was a pastor, oh, okay. no longer oh, okay. anymore. But due to my okay. due to my failure, and I'm not okay. saying you had a failure. I'm, yeah, yeah. That's what I did. Uh, yeah. But being able to, I guess, recognize being a pastor is hard. It's a struggle. There's there's so much, like you said, that they don't teach you in seminary. That there's only one way to to learn and. Um, and, and the point is that, that you do learn, you know, and God has many ways of, of teaching us, but mm. uh, sometimes uh, failure, consequences, things not going right is the only way that, that we mm. can learn and, yeah. and maybe the best way. And um, yeah, God does a special work through that as well. Mm. Amen. For sure. I think that's in the Bible, Sam. I think that's in the Bible. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, man, I'm ready to dive into this union with Christ, man. Like, well, you talk about at the beginning of the book, this gap, a gap that exists. Um, um, and, and you say that we're, we're living in the gap, uh, today. What do you, what do you mean by that? What's the, what's the gap? Yeah. The, the gap in a way that I think any of your listeners could relate to, it's just the, the gap between what we profess to believe and how we actually live, how we actually experience God. You know, mm-hmm. you you could put it a couple of different ways. Um, think about how you feel maybe coming out of a Sunday morning worship service where you're just, God is king and he reigns and he loves me. And a few minutes later, you know, your kids are going crazy. Uh, your your favorite football team loses. Mm-hmm. I mean, just this this disconnect between what we say we believe and um, what you could call mm. our, our functional theology, our lived theology. Mm. And those don't always line up. And, you know, I'll say at this point in my life, you can't really help people until they admit or confess that there's a gap there. Mm. Yep. And we don't, we don't like to admit that gap because it makes us mm. feel like we're hypocrites. And I'd mm. say, no, you, you're not a hypocrite. You're a human being. Mm. Amen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
but that that gap is just that that distance between what we what we say and what we experience. Yeah, and that's I mean that's a great way of thinking about bumper sticker faith mm-hmm. as we stare at the big BS on the wall. That's what that's what we're about trying to to bridge that gap really, and yeah. uh, to um, to know ourselves. Calvin open up, opens up his institutes famous famously saying that our our job is to know God more and to know each and to know ourselves more, right? And I think, yeah, as we live on, on such a superficial level in both of those areas, uh, knowing ourselves yeah. a little bit, knowing God just a little bit, you know, kind of a slogan, cliche, bumper sticker level. But uh, but yeah. our goal is to close that gap. Exactly. I think yeah. I think that people, in my opinion and in my um, experience in life, I've noticed that many people I've encountered don't want the gap to close because they've come to realization of what their life should look like Mm -hmm. when that gap closes, Mm -hmm. begins to close and they selfishly want their life a certain way. Therefore they don't want the gap to close. In Mm -hmm. other words, they're kind of like, I'm happy. I got Christ. I'm happy. My sins are forgiven and I'm just going to do me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I got Jesus and I'm good because Mm -hmm. when that gap starts to close, that's when the rubber's meeting the road Mm -hmm. and that's when life change should be taking place. And that's when the wrestling match begins, in my opinion, where my flesh and the spirit of God in me, my, my flesh is wrestling against the spirit because the Mm -hmm. spirit is, is drawing me closer to Christ and wanting me to Mm -hmm. be more in Christ and do the things that please Christ. And, and oftentimes those things are difficult. They're hard. They're not, trendy they're not sexy Mm -hmm. and we just want to rebel against it it's the sinful flesh we all we all want to go back to egypt Mm. so union with christ doesn't allow does not allow for a gap (laughs) at all does it well union with christ says i i like to think of it sam as an invitation to say that gap uh you're not cheating God. I mean, that gap is just hurting you. Mm. That gap is mm. one way to talk, think about that gap is, uh, it's the distance between, uh, the life you're living and the abundant life Jesus offers. Mm. You know, it's the, it's the gap between the life you're experiencing and the invitation of the fullness of life that is in Christ. Mm. So, yeah, I, I don't think you want to address that gap until you realize, man, the 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 person I'm harming here is myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you open the book and and bookend the book with a, with an illustration about, I think it's someone discovering uh, papers in their in a trunk of a car. Is that the right illustration? Well, it's it's a. But talk uh, about I'll, that because that was powerful. I'll give, I'll give you the I'll give you the word picture and then tell you where it came from. The word picture is of a chi- a young child who feels like a misfit, mm-hmm. and he feels like an imposter. He feels like something's wrong, which is how a lot of us feel. And he's up in his attic one day, and he he's sh- he's shuffling through some papers locked in an old Footlocker. Okay. And he discovers that, in fact, the people posing as his parents are these are not his real parents, Mm -hmm. that his real mom uh, is an artist uh, in Paris from the Sorbonne. And his real dad is a professional baseball player. (laughs) And like this kid is like, of course, you know, I, Mm -hmm. I knew that 
I knew something about me was off. I knew something about me was different. And, you know, I said that the child would come down from that attic and everything about his future would be different. Everything about his self-understanding would be different. Mm -hmm. And even how he understood his past would be different. Mm -hmm. And how I, where that illustration came from is I really wanted to impress upon people. Union with Christ is not an idea. Okay. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is not an idea. Mm-hmm. The Trinity is not an idea. These these are realities that mm-hmm. we live into. And these realities are bigger than us. And once our eyes are opened to these uh, wonderful, mystical, if I can use that word, mm-hmm. uh, life-changing realities, it changes everything about how we understand who we are, uh, how we understand our future, how we understand our destiny. And, uh, you know, and we've, we've got the DNA to prove it, that we have a new identity and that DNA is the Holy Spirit. Like mm-hmm. this is not just an idea that your listeners like, Oh, that's cool. Union with Christ. No, no, no. This is a re- this is the truest thing about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and- so as I'm thinking about, <clears throat> as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm like, it's great. And I'm thinking, because we don't know who all our listeners or viewers are. And it's like, there may be at least one or a few that their this term is totally foreign to them. So if you could, in a simple way, like define what union with Christ is, and then biblically where this reality comes from, just so they can kind of continue to track with us and we don't lose them. Mm-hmm. Great, Lewis. Um, well, you guys know, and your listeners may know, that the term Christian is only used uh, three times in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And uh, the earliest followers of Jesus, thats that wasn't how they identified themselves. Uh, but the term that you find in the New Testament to describe followers of Jesus to describe disciples more than any other is this term in Christ. You're in Christ. And Mm -hmm. Sam's nodding his head. I mean, once you start looking for this phrase, you think it's kind of a throwaway phrase, Mm -hmm. like you're in Christ. But once you start looking for it, it is everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most scholars put it, you know, 160 plus times in the New Testament. So, the most common descriptor to define someone who follows Jesus, who has been born again, is that they are in Christ. Mm-hmm. So a very simple way, Lewis, to say, what is union with Christ? Union with Christ says that you are in Christ and that Christ is in you. Mm. You are in Christ and Christ, is, and that, that language Christ is in you is also all over the new Testament. And, um, I'm thinking of Paul in 2 Corinthians 13 saying, do you not realize that Jesus Christ is within you? Mm. Um, I'm thinking of Jesus in John 16 saying, it is better for you. It is to your advantage that I go away. You know, how, how could that be good for the disciples that Jesus goes away? And he says, for, you know, I will send the helper, the the, the friend, the, the, the other uh, the other helper. Mm-hmm. And of course the primary helper is Jesus, but that mm-hmm. other helper is the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. In the spirit of Christ. So um, union with Christ is just a, a, 
handy phrase to capture those two foundational truths. You are in Christ. That's the truest thing about you. Mm-hmm. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, so the life of <clears throat> the life of God is in you. And like that, <laughs> that's amazing to me. And I'm thinking about um, John 14 and 15, yeah. uh, where Jesus is talking about those who, those who love him, who obey him, then God himself will come just as much as God dwells with Jesus, that they come and dwell with us and their life is in us. So it's this, the whole Trinity is at work within us. And like you mentioned the, the in Christ kind of formula, and I don't want people to be, um, like intimidated by that because it's super easy to spot in English as well, because it's basically the word Christ with a preposition by it somewhere. So like yeah. in, in Christ with Christ, uh, there's, there's probably others, but English translates the same thing with the same prepositions in a few different ways. But like you said, you see, a, would you say 170 some, sometimes? Yeah. Dep- depending on whom you ask, 164. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's, um, yeah, once you start looking for it, you'll see it everywhere. I'll, I'll tell you, Lewis, my favorite sort of picture of it is in Ephesians. Well, my two favorite pictures in the Bible, Colossians 3, where, where Paul says, um, for you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ mm. in God. Mm-hmm. I was thinking of that verse. <laughs> so your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So that's, you know, this beautiful picture of like, like those, like those old Russian nesting dolls where the, mm. the doll inside the doll inside yep. the doll, yep. like that uh, we are, we are covered in Christ. We are in Christ. Uh, we are, our life is hidden uh, in his life. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one of the most beautiful pictures in the Bible. Another is in Ephesians two, where Paul, the apostle Paul literally coins new words. <laughs> he, when he says you are raised with Christ, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, you, you know, you are now raised with Christ and seated with Christ. That's Ephesians two, five. Mm-hmm. Those words didn't exist mm-hmm. in Greek. Paul mm. invents these words to mm. sort of capture this reality mm. of um, that to his to his you know living audience in in Ephesus. You are seated with Christ even now as you go about your life, uh, whatever you're doing today. You have been raised with Christ. You're seated with Christ. It, these are Paul's. Even the greatest theologian in the history of the church, the Apostle Paul, is struggling to kind of give us word mm. pictures to capture this reality. Yeah, this, this, I mean, I'm just thinking back to like as I'm listening to you and I'm thinking back years ago, like this is the stuff that helped me get through the most difficult times in my life. Mm. Just knowing this, choosing to believe this and living my life as best I could according to it, you know, and I think about all the struggles that people have out here, you know, where they're in Christ, but I got cancer. I'm in Christ, but I got this bad diagnosis and 
I got three months to live. I got six months to live. I got six weeks to live. And it's like, that's difficult stuff. That's tough stuff. But to me, like being in Christ and union with Christ is the why we don't have to worry. Mm. We can just be totally at peace in the eye of the storm, knowing that like our redeemer lives and we live with our redeemer and one day we will be with him. And so it's just, man, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. It's mind boggling. And, you know, I guess for me, it kind of explains why like things bother me because I'm human, but I feel like I want to say a lot of stuff don't bother me. You know, not like I'm bulletproof or I think Mm -hmm. I'm Superman, but just in a sense, like the, you know, I would hope it would be the humble confidence that I have in what Christ did for me and that mm-hmm. that's attributed to me now because I'm with him, mm-hmm. not physically yeah. with him, but he's in me and I'm in him and and I'm seated in heavenly places and all the, the things that you're saying is just like, why do these things, why do people that are followers of Jesus, like, how do they get out of whack mm-hmm. or how do they end up in wrecks because of things that happen in life? I don't know, man. It just, man, it's some awesome stuff. I liked your um, your football illustration. Share that one. It, it's helpful about um, when when you were a, a little guy playing football. Just a great picture of what it means to be, uh, I guess, uh, behind Christ or with Christ. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was a I played junior high school and high school football, but I was the smallest guy on the field, uh, which gave our team an advantage because our coach put the two biggest guys on our team. You guys are in Chicago. So our, we call this play refrigerator, right? After, (laughs) after William Perry, you guys remember (laughs) Yeah, the fridge refrigerator Perry and uh, refrigerator, right? Refrigerator left. And, you know, he put a big offensive tackle in the backfield named Andrew. And uh, I would run behind Andrew. I was, I was hidden in Andrew because mm-hmm. literally the defense couldn't see me. Yep. <laughs> the, everything that was supposed to hit me hit Andrew. And uh, Andrew took took the blows and paved the way to glory. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus does for us. I mean, he, he covers us. Everything that was supposed to hit us, the wrath of God, the judgment of God, hit him. Mm-hmm. And on our behalf, and he covers us, we're covered by him, and he paves the way mm-hmm. uh, for us to glory. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these are all, I, I say in the book that the fact that even the inspired messengers of God use word pictures to capture this reality. You know, Peter uh, compares us to stones in a building. Paul compares us to the bride of Christ. Uh, our Lord himself says, I am, I am the vine, you are the mm. branches. These are all different pictures of being uh, united to Christ, right? And the fact that these different metaphors are used shows us that uh, no one picture gets it exactly, but that we need pictures to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, we need, we need parables, we need pictures, we need... Uh, the pictures doesn't mean it's less real. It means it's more real than any statement mm-hmm. of it can get at, you know? Yep. I love the, I love the football illustration too, because yes, he's paving the way and taking the blows for you, but it's not automatic. You still have to follow him. 
you still have to run after the guy in front of you. We still have to obey Christ, still have mm-hmm. to run the way he's going in order to get that, uh, that protection over our lives. Yeah. And, um, cause I, cause I don't want, cause the danger is to fall off and perhaps to fall off into cheap grace, right. To think, well, uh, I'm in Christ so I can, anything goes and I can live with whatever, whatever way I want. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'll just, you know, confess my sins and move on and, and everything will be fine. But that quickly leads you to a bad place. And that's one one of the dangers, the other danger is to think that it is all up to you, uh, and to fall into like self-righteousness in that. Um, so, so both of those, um, it, both of those are dangers of not getting the, the in Christ, um, correct. Yeah. Yeah. This is so pastorally helpful because it tells you, it tells you on the one hand you are safe, you know, I, I have three little kids, and I pray for them the same prayer each night. Um, you are safe. You are loved. You are not alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to go through a lot of therapy in my life to really internalize those messages. You are safe. You are loved. You're not alone. I, I want my kids to know that. But union with Christ is the guarantee of that, just mm-hmm. what Lewis was saying. You're not alone. You mm-hmm. And that's not just a promise. That is a reality. Mm-hmm. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. You are safe. It, the world may be dangerous, but in your father's hands, you are safe. Do not fear. Yep. And you are loved and nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ, in mm-hmm. Christ, Romans. It's, see, it's everywhere. But then from that place of security, now... As, as C.S. Lewis put it, push on further up and further in, further up and further in, into the reality of who you are. See, from that place of security. So you're not, you're not climbing a mountain to become something you're not. You're moving further up and further into who you already are in Christ. As I, as I, again, listen to what you were just saying, I start thinking about, you know, some of those verses that you mentioned and some that come to my mind and like some, some scripture is just like overwhelming, you know, and it's like, how, how can this be this way? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and sometimes it's difficult to make sense of it. But I guess for me, going back to when I first learned about union with Christ, it made these hard to understand a hard to grasp verses easier to understand and grasp because it's, it is, it was shaping my identity. It was shaping who I am as a young man at that time of what it meant 
you know, what, what it meant not just for Jesus to die for my sins and save me from the penalty, the power, and one day the presence of sin, but also, like, I got to live my life now here on earth, and what does that mean? And as I got things coming at me from different directions at 100 miles an hour, you know, I needed a shield, if you will, and, and Christ was yeah. that shield for me to yeah. block these things that are flying at me. And so as I would continue to learn scripture and I would read these things, um, my favorite verse is Galatians 2.20. You know, I'm crucified mm -hmm. with Christ nevertheless. Um, you know, and so it's like holding on to these truths, but knowing who I am in Christ and who Christ is in me, it's like having a big chunk of meat in my mouth as a baby that I can do nothing with. But now I got some teeth because I know who Christ is and I can start to slowly chew that meat and swallow it and digest it. And I can understand mm -hmm. like what's really happening and what some of these verses really mm -hmm. mean. There's even the in union with Christ is in that verse you just mentioned. Yeah, 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 I've been yeah, crucified yep. with Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was even thinking about the uh just now the the thief on the cross, Jesus saying to him, Today you will be with me mm -hmm. in paradise. There's there it is again. Yeah. I think it's, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for mm -hmm. me. So that's that's a verse to go along with the union, union in Christ. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. Well, and I'm thinking about, too, um, with you, Lewis, when you learned about this, like people may kind of balk at the idea that being with Christ really protects them and keeps them safe. But in your case, when you became a Christian in prison, it was literally the case because you were not only united with Jesus, but you were united with the other believers in that prison. Mm -hmm. And it was those guys who uh, surrounded you, loved you, kept you safe, protected you quite literally. Well, and was there for you. I wouldn't say protected me literally because it was exactly the opposite. Not that I was looking for protection, but it was like once I learned who some of the Christians were, I was like, man, like, let's hang out. And they were mm -hmm. like, yeah, we can do Bible study together and we can do stuff together. But like, we ain't going to hang out. And I was kind of <laughs> like, dang, like that's kind of okay. the cold shoulder. But I learned years later that that was intentional because they didn't want me to see them as a protector. Mm. or somebody that because they were established already mm -hmm. and for me to be with them that, that would like maybe keep the wolves away from me they wanted me to be out in the world mm. and learn how to use the word of god to be my shield oh, wow. instead of using the, them to be my shield so a it, different form of protection yeah yeah but they, but, yeah. but they they prayed for me yeah. when i had like issues like i can come to them and they can help me walk through so they were definitely there to yeah. help but from a physical standpoint, like there, it was like me all by myself, and I had to learn how to like let, like let Christ in me, help me walk every mm -hmm. step of those fifteen and a half years to de totally depend mm -hmm. on Him. Mm -hmm. So Rankin, why is this a forgotten doctrine now? Like, why is it not in our in our churches? Why do we not hear about it? I don't know if I've heard any Union with Christ songs on the radio lately. <laughs> But um, what, what do you think, um, yeah, why has it been neglected or forgotten? And then we'll get into probably why it's probably most needed these days. But why has it been forgotten? What do you think? Yeah, as I, um, 
you know, my, my exposure to union with Christ, just the doctrine came through a question I had, you know, when I was studying was why, why does, how does the early church talk about the gospel? How do the people closest to Jesus, Mm. how do they talk about what it means to be saved? Mm. And then not just the early church, but, you know, I was a Protestant pastor. How do, how do like the, how do Martin Luther and John Calvin, and I, I noticed that they, they talked about it in ways, uh, quite frankly, a little broader and bigger than I was often hearing it mm. today. And uh, John Calvin in particular, you know, union with Christ, most Calvin scholars will tell you is the absolute center of mm-hmm. how he thinks about the gospel, mm-hmm. which is ironic because that's not how most Calvinists think about the gospel, mm-hmm. but it was how John Calvin yep. did. But um, so, you know, it's like, well, if the early church and the reformers, if this is how they uh, talked about the gospel, that to be saved is to be united to the Savior, you know, mm. what? where did that, where did that go? Where did that, why did that disappear? And, uh, and Sam, I think that's a, a, a tough question. And I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts, sort of my thoughts on why it has disappeared. Um, one reason is it, it demands that we use our imagination mm-hmm. and, by imagination, I don't mean calling to mind what is unreal. I mean the God-given capacity to call to mind what is real but is not visible. Mm-hmm. You which image is, it in your head. Yeah, you image it yeah. in your head. Yeah. Like in Exodus where the Lord tells them, you know, you yourselves were brought out of Egypt, but he, he tells the future generations to imagine themselves as I mean, the Bible all throughout calls to our imagination. Mm-hmm. And the great biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann said the chief the chief pathology of our time is the is the atrophying of the imagination. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a fancy way of saying we have lost mm-hmm. we 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 have lost we live in a disenchanted world. Mm-hmm. Um and so I think that is a big reason that this is a mystical enchanted doctrine mm-hmm. that says there is there are supernat there are these mind-blowing to use lewis's words supernatural realities that are undergirding not just our life but all of all of existence mm. and yet we live in a world that wants to have everything um bite size uh easily explained um 140 characters or less. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, union with Christ just doesn't fit that. So I, I think that's one big reason that's a, it's an enchanted doctrine and we live in a disenchanted world. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple more just real quick. I mean, it relies upon the Holy Spirit. And where the Holy Spirit is not talked about, union with Christ will not be talked mm-hmm. about. And, wow. You know, when, mm. what happened to the Holy Spirit? You know, mm-hmm. um, the forgotten God, some have, have called the Holy Spirit. So mm-hmm. where the Holy Spirit is not talked about, union with Christ will not be talked about. And, um, you know, and I think a final reason I think I give in the book is 
it, it challenges our sort of um, reigning views about what makes for our identity. You know, everything in our culture says your identity is about what you do, what you have, what others think of you. And even, even in the church, we can get very private about our faith. And th there is a sense in which faith always must be personal. You know, died he for me who caused his pain. Mm. And yet union with Christ says uh, the truest thing about your identity is found outside of you. Mm -hmm. It's it's not it's in Christ. It's in his work. It's in his person. Mm. And that is so challenging to everything we think about identity today. Mm -hmm. Like what? My identity is in Christ mm -hmm. and that's a good thing. And if my identity is in Christ, what, what does that mean for Lewis? And mm -hmm. Lewis already pointed to Galatians 2.20, but you know, I, not I, but Christ who lives in me. I mean, there it is. It, it's me, but it's not me, mm -hmm. but it is me. It's Christ in me. <laughs> yeah. And um, Anyway, those are Sam. Those are some ideas I have about why this biblical doctrine has has been eclipsed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think my two cents is one. The first thing is I say it's old school. You know, and the reason it's old school is because the newer generation has tried to, in a sense, change a lot of the old ways of things with new methods on how to reach people and really none of the stuff is new right there ain't nothing new that people are doing people been doing outreach and all these different things for years but people call it new because they may use a new word or they're dressed differently or th their expression is a little differently um so i think like when you just like you said talking about the holy spirit um for me I, like the holy spirit is the third person of the triune godhead I mean, he's the Holy Spirit is God and is God in us. Mm -hmm. Like that means something mm -hmm. and that matters <laughs> tremendously. But I think as I recall my almost 14 years, because when I was in prison, man, I got inundated with this stuff because we had old Southern Baptist people and all kind of old school pound the pulpit. If you sit on the front row, you're going to get a shower type <laughs> people coming in and they talked about these things. So this is like, I'm listening to you and I'm like getting the chills. This is like my DNA. Mm. This stuff is in my bloodstream and I don't hear it. And I think mm. that when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you have some people who, whether they are brothers and sisters in Christ or they just profess to be, that they kind of can take the Holy Spirit to a whole new realm or another level that maybe teeters on not being biblical mm -hmm. so it's almost from my experience limited experience like we don't want to talk too much about the holy spirit because then we get put in this category with these other people who are kind of off their rocker mm. but like we need we need to be talking about the holy spirit yeah you know but i see in in church in my church world is more practical teaching on how do i live my life which is christian living Mm -hmm. Which we need that, but it's like on one hand, you want to talk about how you should live your life. So here's your vehicle, but there's no battery in it to power it. Mm -hmm. What powers and fuels the living the Christian life but the Holy Spirit? That's the battery yeah. in us that enables us to go and live that Christian life. So it's like we're getting all the practical tools and what to do's and what not to do's, but then the, the power source isn't been 
injected into us, if you will, to enable us to mm. actually carry this stuff out. So you go to church, you hear about all these things, and then you're like, man, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? The I'm not, I haven't tapped into the power mm. that's in me to propel me into doing it. Yeah. So that's my that's great. thoughts about like why it's not talked about. That's great. And we focus on felt needs, at least what we think our felt needs are too much rather than the, the old school doctrine, like you said, but it, it can lead us to a dangerous place. I think if we, if we neglect, like you said, putting in the, the, the battery or giving us the power and just uh, focusing on what we need to do. Um, I, I, I love the, um, the disenchanted world uh, that, that you talked about. And I think that's all a part of it. In a, in a previous episode, we did talk, Lewis and I did talk about uh, G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy and Chapter Four, the Ethics of Elfland, yeah, and yeah. Um, and how uh, our world has been uh, reduced. Scientism has reduced it to just the five senses, and if you can smell it, touch it, taste it, hear it, uh, and so forth, then those are the only real things. And what Scientism does is reduce everything down and break everything apart and see how it works and what's it made of in that, but there's the, the biblical worldview or cosmology, which talks about truth and meaning and purpose. And, um, and Calvin actually called, um, which is surprising to some people, but he called union with Christ, a mystical doctrine, the, the, because it is a, a mystical thing. You can't, you can't measure it. You can't mm-hmm. perceive it with your with your with physical with science basically, mm-hmm. and when you're in a world like that, then we're just looking to uh, we're not we're not looking we don't believe in that reality anymore. And I I believe that that's a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm interested. Early on, you mentioned <clears throat> I can't remember the phrase, but it was something about discipleship. You recall what you said earlier when we first started, like your discipleship or it was some phrase that mm-hmm. you used. And I've tried to remember, but I forgot. I just remember it had to do with discipleship. And I was like, my, I would love to hear like the way you phrased it was unique to me. And so I was interested in knowing like how that plays a part in what you do as a pastor. He's a pastor of yeah. discipleship, pastor of discipleship. Yeah. That's what it was. That's what it was. So I've never, I don't know. I mean, I've heard like a pastor of the kids ministry or pastor of the executive stuff. Like mm-hmm. I've never heard pastor of discipleship. So could you explain a little bit? I'm curious to know like what that entails. And then how maybe union with Christ, how you use this. Doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. How you use this yeah. doctrine specifically, I guess. Well, one of my heroes, um, maybe known to some of your listeners is a guy named Dallas Willard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dallas Willard said, and I believe he's right. He he called discipleship the great omission Mm -hmm. in, in the modern Western church. And he said, and I think he said, you know, compellingly that what Jesus said was to be the center of our target, go and make disciples, baptizing them, and teaching them to obey. Mm-hmm. And discipleship making is the center of the target of the mission of the church. Mm, amen. Now, 
if that is the center of the target of the mission of the church, that begs some big questions. And number one is, well, what is your church's plan for making disciples? Mm -hmm. And number two, how's that working out? Because the big secret no one talks about is almost no churches are designed around what Jesus said needs to be the center of our target. Mm, wow. You know, who who cares how many people come to your church Amen. or how big your budget is if you're not making strong disciples of Jesus? Mm. And if you say, no, 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 we're, we're about making strong disciples of Jesus. You know, my, my question is, how? Yep. What is that? What's your plan? What does that look like? Because I'll tell you another secret, Lewis. It doesn't happen from great preaching. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I agree. That's, that's not that's not how Jesus did it. Yeah. And it happens from life on life mentoring, relationships, discipleship, the friendship you guys have, mm -hmm. intentional uh, investment. Mm -hmm. Uh, where is that? Where, where, so, you know, discipleship in the, in the local church is, I, I agree with Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and Dallas Willard. Like it, we're missing the center of the target. Hmm. Well, it seems like union with Christ could be the vertical access to the, um, discipleship, which is just the horizontal. I mean, discipleship in my mind, as you're speaking, just reminds me of relationships. It reminds me of union with, with other people, with the church. Mm -hmm. Our union with Christ in action through uh, the the way way we um, are with each other and the way we help each other. Well, Sam, the the way I like to think of it is union with Christ uniquely addresses one of the major questions any church leader or any conscientious follower of Jesus faces. And that is, how do I hold together um, these two songs I hear? The, the one song is Amazing Grace, mm. a grace that asks nothing of us to love us, you know, and these amazing voices that we associate with uh, helping us understand that grace, you know, uh, come and rest, you know, that there's that voice, mm -hmm. there's that song. But there's another song. Uh, of come and die, mm -hmm. love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my mm -hmm. life, my all. Mm -hmm. And my question as a pastor was always, how do I hold these voices together without diluting either? Mm. You know, it's not 50% grace, 50% uh, discipleship. Mm -hmm. You know, how do, how do I hold grace and discipleship together and I realized pastorally, I wasn't holding them together because I didn't understand union with Christ. Mm. I mean, union with Christ says that you are united objectively, united with Christ. You are safe. You are secure. To use biblical language, you are righteous. Mm -hmm. When God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. Mm -hmm. You are perfectly righteous. Amen. It is finished. It is done. You are safe. And now, uh, union with Christ says, now come and follow me mm -hmm. into life, into, into this identity from, from this place of security. Mm -hmm. So it makes discipleship into an invitation instead of a, a burden. Mm -hmm. 
my commands are not burdensome and they're not burdensome because you're in Christ and it's an invitation to, it's an invitation to the life you've always wanted. So, so the verse just hit my mind and thinking of songs, this is a song. Second Corinthians five twenty one. He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Mm-hmm. In him. In him. Mm. Yeah. So as we uh, sort of wind down, have a 10 more minutes or so, 10, 15. But um, as we go to our, our day today in the culture we see, and you, you wrote this book in like 2015, 16, 17, I think. And even from that point, our culture is looks different today and some of the issues that, that, that we're wrestling with today. And, and, um, like the doctrine union with Christ for, for me, even if you just take it psychologically, not that I would, but it addresses so many issues that I see that have happened as a result of us not being connected to Christ today. So for instance, um, when, before we become Christians, our, our, we're, we're dead, you know, we're spiritually dead to God, but he makes us alive. Right. But the part of us that, um, is alive is our flesh, you know, before we're Christians and, and even after. And what our flesh does, uh, I call that the ego, you know, and the ego is always trying to assert itself, always trying to defend itself, always trying to discover itself and, and um, protect itself. Uh, that's what, what the ego does, make itself look better, strive after, get the best things, because my, my life is, you know, my quote unquote life is on the line. I have to, my identity's on the line and I have to prove myself. But when we become Christians, we're united with Christ. Uh, we, our true self comes alive and then we're called to put to death that ego, that striving. And so in a sense that it's, it's just such a relief because I no longer have to prove myself, right? I no longer, my, I, my ego no, ego no longer has to exert itself and get all the best things and, because I'm, I'm safe and secure and I have a new life, which is coming to live, coming, coming to live. And I think in, in today's culture, because our, we're not united with Christ or we don't perceive that, then it's all about this external self trying to prove itself mm-hmm. and, and trying to find itself and, and not having any luck mm-hmm. in doing so. Wow. And we see all these crazy things that people are chasing after and it, and it, and they, and see the irony for me is they think it's their true self. I'm just, I'm just trying to get in touch with my true self. And I'm saying, no, you're not. That's just your flesh. That's just your ego talking. Yeah. And that's not your true self. And you're actually running away from your true self because your true self is Christ is in Christ. Yeah, it's in Christ. In Christ and Christ is in you. Mm. Wow. As opposed to uh as as a pastor I find I find this very helpful uh Henry Nowen the writer talks about the false self or the old self That's, and he says Yes. The uh the false self or the old self is based off three lies. Uh I am what I do. 
I am what I have and I am what others think of me. Mm -hmm. And man, those, that's, those are, those are the three lies that we're chasing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that union with Christ delivers us from and says, no, 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 you are who you are in Christ. Um, I am what he's done. I am what he has. Uh, you're co-heirs with Christ. And I am what my father thinks of me. Mm-hmm. And in Christ, I am his beloved. Mm. Amen. Talk about, you talked about Henry Nouwen in, in, in your book. I don't know if you recall some of his story as a, a professor yeah. and, and what he did. Could you share that? Because that's just a powerful illustration if people don't yeah. know about the life of Henry Nouwen. Well, and yeah, and I'm, I've kind of have, have lived my own version of that story. But for now mm-hmm. on, it was this brilliant, brilliant man who, you know, worked at the most prestigious universities in the world, Harvard, Yale, Notre Dame, and was talking to people about the love of God uh, beautifully and compellingly, but realizing that he was talking about something that he didn't know how to receive and experience himself. Okay. Which mm. incidentally, you'll find that same theme in the letters of CS Lewis. Mm. I'm just put, I'm just putting that in as a, as a teaser, but mm-hmm. uh, so now when goes and works at the Larch community, um, which was for mentally challenged uh, adults. He, he gives up uh, his professorship. He gives up yeah. his professorship and goes and serves where no one knew who he was. No one could read his books. No one cared who he was. Mm-hmm. And yet that's where he, he was taught by these uh, men and women how to receive love. Mm-hmm. And it saved his life. It, mm-hmm. uh, it lifted him out of the depression that he was in and, it helped close the gap between his head and his heart, mm-hmm. which is another way to talk about the gap. My head tells me, but my heart tells me. And, you know, for all of us, Sam, uh, how are we going to get these wonderful truths in from our heads into our hearts? Um, you know, sooner or later, it is just what you talked about. It's about realizing you, your ego schemes, your your self-justification projects are, are, are hurting you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and those don't, those don't stop when you become a Christian, they, they continue. And, um, and it's realizing, man, the life that is truly life as Paul calls it. The life that is truly life. I can only find through more and more surrendering myself mm-hmm. every day and in every way to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Man, that's beautiful. <clears throat> that's that's great. That's like a drop the mic <laughs> moment right there. But we won't we won't drop no mics. <laughs> wow. Well, man, it's 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 been a blessing. I mean, you know, as we do wind down now, you know, part of what we do is like as we just think back, you know, for a moment of what we talked about, and then just think about what we would like to kind of leave our listeners as maybe a last thought. So. If you have a last thought, something you want to share that that you didn't share, that you wanted to share, or something you just want to drop on a person to just chew on for a while, Rankin, would, would you have something like that you'd like to share as a last word? Yeah, I would just say, you know, to uh, 
keep in front of you this, this is not an idea. This is a declaration of reality that uh, who you are is who you are in Christ. And that when God looks at you, he sees you in Christ. Mm -hmm. And what the father pronounced over the son at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, before Jesus had done anything, the father pronounced, um, you are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. Mm. And in a sense, that benediction mm. was what propelled him forward into life. Uh, and in just knowing, wow, in Christ, before we do anything, that good word is pronounced over you. You are my beloved mm. in whom I'm well pleased in Christ. Now, now go about your day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you. That's, that's great. That's great. Sam, what about you? I'm thinking about the, um, the vine and the branches from John 15. And, you know, I, w when we talk about, and when I talked about also like your true life is Christ, I don't want people to think that when you become a Christian, he obliterates your identity and you're, you're no longer your unique self and he, he takes over in that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the only way you will dis discover your true self and your true identity is if you are united with him. So I think about the vine and the branches before we're with Christ, we're just like a twig along the side of the road. And it's like this twig's probably wondering what's my purpose in life. You know, I, I have, I have no idea what I am. And then someone comes along and says, oh, and that holds you up to a vine. And it says, it looks like you belong to this thing. <laughs> and they graft you into the vine. And now suddenly the life of the life of God is flowing through you and you're producing flowers and fruit. And you're like, holy crap, I'm a branch mm. and I'm meant to be in this vine. And I, I never would have discovered <laughs> my true purpose and identity mm. were I not united to him. And th so that's why I say that you won't discover who you are just off alongside of the road trying to discover yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like you won't do it. You have to be united with Christ and have his life flowing through yours. So yeah. those are my words, other than the fact that people need to go out. And if you haven't gotten Rankin Wilburn's book, Union with Christ, to go do that. Yeah. Amen to that. Man, for me, I just think like, you know, for anybody that's listening to this, don't just kind of toss this to the side as like a one-off thing that kind of makes sense, kind of doesn't make sense. And you feel like I don't really want to invest my time in digging. I would say, man, this may be the most worthwhile thing you can dig into other than who Christ is and what Christ did for you. Absolutely. And so, man, yeah. take the time, learn more about this, go out and get the book. Um, talk to pastors and leaders at your church. Ask them, you know, what do mm -hmm. you know about union with Christ? Mm -hmm. You know, just just to like do some some reconnaissance, if you will, mm -hmm. go out and start asking people who you respect, just to kind of see, and maybe you can be that person who sparks something in them mm -hmm. that you can, in a way, disciple them to start knowing what is this thing called mm -hmm. union with Christ? How is Christ in me, and I'm in Christ, and how's my life hidden with Christ? Like. To start asking those questions and finding out answers to them so we can really live the life that God has for us. So so Rankin, thank you, my brother, so mm -hmm. much, man. It's it's been a joy. I knew this was gonna be good. I'm <laughs> I'm so excited. We we're studying in our Bible study on Wednesday night, Christology. 
So studying about Christ. And so I'm just yeah. like, I'm, I can't wait till seven o'clock tonight. You know, I'm on fire right now. So <laughs> That's great. Lewis. Well, you guys were great. Thanks for having me on your show. And, and thanks for caring about this forgotten but essential biblical doctrine. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So, man, thank you guys for joining us for this episode. We just pray that you got something out of it. I'm, I'm sure you did if you have any ounce of intellect or any ounce of like loving Jesus. And so we just say, hey, if you have, um, pass it on to mm-hmm. somebody. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. If you want to email us and ask us for more information, if you want to ask any questions, you can email us at bumperstickerfaith at gmail.com. And uh, man, until next time, next episode, y'all be cool out there, be safe, and don't go stepping in no. Yes. All right, peace. <laughs> <laughs>